hi and welcome to episode 104 of Investing You. And today we will be interviewing Lauren Cohen. Uh, are you in Florida right now? I am in Florida at the moment, yes. How is it there? Rainy and yeah. uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. kind of like London and a little bit um, stressful still with yeah. the, the whole COVID. What about where you guys are? Yeah, so, not stressful at all. Yeah, we've got a strange setup. So just yeah. one and a half week ago um, in, in London, it was very close. Just everything was locked down again for a second time. So I just yeah. jumped into my car and drove to where I'm right now, which is in Sweden. With, with oh. Yeah. So, so yeah, like either getting stuck in a, in a, in a flat in London, which uh, would, would have been all right, or to be here in Sweden where things are very different. Uh, yeah. Never wore a face mask in Sweden except on planes. While in uh, uh, London, I have to wear it uh, public transport, all shops, public spaces, and so on. So, yeah, it's very different. But Sweden and all of the countries are over the, in that area have handled this whole thing so much better. And the numbers yeah, are so much lower. <laughs> I think it's a population issue as well. Yeah. 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 We've got a big country just like, like the US as well. I mean, lots of land. But in some areas, people are more densely populated. Mm -hmm. Right. So um, we got a guest today. Uh, let's say that you're from the U.S. Or are you from the U.S.? No, I'm from Canada exactly. originally. Exactly. <laughs> so, uh, Lauren, tell us more about uh, where, where you are and how you ended up there. I'm originally from Canada. I'm from Toronto. I grew up there and I moved here um, several years ago, moved back to Canada um, after living here a few years and not liking it. And then I had a great business opportunity or employment opportunity here. And I came back right before 9-11. And so our whole business funding fell apart for obvious reasons. And I ended up staying and um, I was working in house as a lawyer. I'm a lawyer in Canada and the US. I'm also a realtor. So I worked in house for a few years and felt a calling to get into um, more of an entrepreneurial um, mindset. And so I kind of fell into what I'm doing because on our way back from my honeymoon, my ex-husband was deported and, um, <laughs> and barred from entry to the US. So um, I was here and he was not. And um, I decided to, f to develop a niche in immigration and corporate work, the corporate world. And then I added in my real estate license. And now I specialize in helping real estate and business investors invest across borders. Yeah. So super interesting. I mean, we, we are also investing across borders. So uh, they got propped in the, in the, in the UK. Yeah. Uh, so do I. Uh, we also wow. Have you get them started young, Frederick. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. it's it's not like your multi-family dwellings. It's more like uh, compared with student living. Yeah. Or for grown-ups, so uh, you might have your own uh, room and own suite. And the house is a shared entity, so you've got like a communal space and so on. Uh, it's called the house of multiple occupations, and it's really popular in the UK because of the, the prices to have your own space is so high in many places. Uh huh. Wow. It's yeah. like com communal living, sort of, but for yeah, students, right? Exactly. Yeah, yeah but no, actually, we have got people who are all the way from late teens up to well into their 60s living in those kinds of houses. Wow, um, that is cool. And you guys own property like that? 
Yeah, so we, often we even take like uh, a normal uh, dwelling and we convert it into one of these units. So basically uh -huh. take maybe uh, a house of 150 uh, square foot or 1,500 square feet um, and then turn that into maybe six units inside the unit, so to speak. Wow. And by That's doing that, amazing. you can, I mean, let's take the house which they have got. Uh, it was worth roughly just under 300,000 uh, US dollars when we acquired it. And by just doing this transformation inside, which cost maybe 100,000, we lifted mm -hmm. early to uh, more than a half million. Mm -hmm. So just adding a value of like 25% just by doing this. And also and then you have cost, cash flow. Exactly. The cash flow probably went from like, 800 pounds to five and a half thousand a month wow that's amazing uh, so it's, it's, a, it's a it's a strange way to do it but it's one way to do it yeah well as long as you get the permits you know here that would be the biggest challenge is yeah, getting exactly. the permits yeah. and, and the yeah, authorizations need, to do it, it but i could definitely see the value of it especially since multifamily is the most popular way to invest in property and yeah. it's also the most popular way to get a visa so yeah. that's part of it's all it's all inter interconnected for me is the real estate or business investment and then creating the structure to potentially get the visa if you want to move if yep. you don't want to move how that looks and and so it's all it's so real estate investing is definitely a great a great way for you guys to start especially so young that's amazing yeah i think the, the what i usually talk about all the time is like real estate plus time mm -hmm. and especially if you start really young then that becomes a huge leverage uh, mm -hmm. for sure Compounding as well. Yeah, because you can imagine like the prices when <laughs> when I'm his age. The when you're his age, London, yeah. If London, they're going to be crazy. <laughs> yeah, that's right, like me don't... being from being from Toronto. If I had purchased a property when I was like 16, yeah, it would now be I would I would be a multimillionaire just from that one single property. Yes, mm -hmm. yes, uh, I'm completely with you. So yeah, we jumped straight into the deep end here, like the nitty gritty. We love, we love talking specifics and we're allowed to be uh, actionable advice as well yes you know for the whole conversation here so thanks for for pulling the conversation in that direction so we it was less than five episodes since we had the latest uh, german entrepreneur who sold his business and got a, a visa in the us uh, mm -hmm. and he's now got multiple businesses there and also multiple mm -hmm. successful exits as well but he's right now uh, for the circumstances right now in turkey but this business is still in the US. Mm -hmm. Well, the beauty of most of these visas is that they give you the flexibility that you don't necessarily have to be in the US, but you can have the freedom. Um, yesterday, we were talking with a client who's from Ecuador. And the biggest challenge, unfortunately, with Ecuador is even though the term of the visa is five years, you only have a three-month entry, which is very limiting because how are you going to run a business every three months having to leave? So yeah. we're trying to find some alternative strategies. But for the most part, once you get that visa in your passport, you do have a great deal of flexibility for the term of the visa. So, um, and, and I have many clients that don't ever end up living here full time or living here at all even sometimes. It's just a matter of giving you that freedom and flexibility to be able to go back and forth. If you're a real estate investor, to visit your properties. If you're a business investor, to manage your business. Um, you know, make deals happen, run trade shows and not have the problems yeah. at the border of potentially being stopped in your tracks. It's a very, yeah. very big deal. And a lot of people don't realize it until it happens. 
And once it happens, you're done. You know, if you can't go, if you're like in the old days, which will happen again, hopefully, um, when you were running big events and you would have 100, 200, 400, 1,000 people, thousands of people sitting in seats waiting for you to arrive and you couldn't get there because you were stopped, you know, by by the border officer and you didn't have the right papers, that could be extraordinarily costly and end up costing you um, legal fees as well. So yeah. I help to avoid those things and prevent them from happening. I, I, as part of the research, I was listening to multiple of, of your other interviews and, and one was specifically around that matter of, of uh, even for work for just uh, a day or a couple of days, you still need to have the right visa papers as well. Uh, I have got a very strange career where I've been uh, let's call it working in, in 40 plus countries and, and the visa situation is really different in different parts of the world for sure. Uh, yeah. I think the strangest visa so far, not done by myself but by an agency. Uh, it said that I was part of the Olympic Committee uh, for traveling to Russia. That was certainly not my idea uh, nor my agenda either uh, but that was another part of my life. Wow. Interesting. So for people listening in Russia, uh, greetings from, from, from Sweden. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, now we have, I think we've got listeners in 118 countries last time we checked. So from Portugal. Wow. So, it's, it's quite so you got, all three of you are Swedish and British nationals? Uh, we didn't bother to get the British national for, for them. Uh, they okay. could have because they lived there for seven years. But uh, the Swedish passports open so many doors around the world, so we didn't see the, the direct need. Mm. Right. And the Swedish passport and the British passport have the same value if you ever do want to in, in, immigrate to the U.S. So Yeah, thanks um, for letting us know that as well. Um, mm-hmm. but yes, let's just for, for, for basics. So what is really the green card for people who heard Visa, U.S. equals green card. What is really the green card? For Not true. So, exactly, exactly. So what's, what's the whole idea about the green there's, card? There's really two kinds of visas. And yeah. um, I wrote a book on the subject called mm-hmm. Finding Your Silver Lining, which you probably saw in the business immigration process. And I'll be happy to share a link with you. Um, and there's, there's two types of visas. One is non-immigrant visas and the other is immigrant visas. The immigrant visas are the green cards. The non-immigrant visas are the, the ones that are renewable, they don't, they're, they're not residency green cards. You have a, a, you're privileged to be here, but you don't have any of the other rights or, or circumstances that are attached to residency. Yeah. So you're, st- you're considered a non-resident alien, a qualified non-resident alien. So you can apply for certain things. But for example, recently with all this COVID, the Small Business Administration was handing out money to um, small business owners, but not to qualified aliens, only to residents and citizens. Because you've achieved a certain level of either either investment or um, uh, longevity or business interest or so on, okay? So green cards are the coveted option, although not always, and I'll tell you why. For example, some Brazilians and, and people from all countries, but many Brazilians and Canadians and and Brits choose not to get a green card because the green card changes your tax, your, your tax status. Yeah. So having a green card could have negative tax implications, whereas having the visa, you may not have those same negative tax implications. So they choose not to, not to get the green card. Sometimes it's a conscious choice. Some, com- some countries don't qualify, for example, for an E2 visa, which is the, the treaty investor visa. Sweden does, Britain does, Canada does, most European countries do. 
a lot of the BRICS countries don't, but Brazil, Russia, India, South Africa, China, I'm sorry, China and um, Saudi Arabia, for example, many countries, Iraq certainly, um, don't qualify for the E2 visa. So they will need to either find another option through, um, they can invest in Grenada, for example, citizenship by investment, yep. which is what we're recommending, for example, to that Ecuadorian prospective client from yesterday, because there, if there's funds available, the EB-5, which I'm sure you've heard about, which is what I was doing for a, oh, a good 10 years, very, very successfully, but the industry has changed. So EB-5 is a direct path to a green card, and EB means employment-based. So those green cards that are called EB-1, EB-2, EB-3, EB-4, EB-5 are all based on employment of some sort. EB-1 is um, extraordinary ability, EB-2 is a national interest waiver, and so on. So the EB-5 is a fifth preference employment-based um, immigrant visa, which initially you get a conditional green card and then the conditions are removed once you prove that the employment has been created and the investment is still in, at risk. The challenge is that originally, or not originally, but up until November of 2019, the investment threshold was 500,000 and a million, depending on the location. And that has changed to 900,000 and 1.8 million. Obviously, that's going to completely eliminate a lot of people from that investment opportunity because yes. it's double, right? Yep. So yep. those that would invest at the half million range now have to invest almost at a million dollar range and they're out of the, out of the running. So EB-5 has become way less popular. On top of that, China, who were 80% of the investors, um, they're over quota. So it's India. So the, yeah. that puts you at a, at a detriment in terms of timing because you have to be, there's a backlog in terms of the visa number. So they're waiting 14 years. So again, what do we do with them? We get them to invest in Grenada or Cyprus or Malta okay. or another country that then gives you a jump start to an E2 visa while you're waiting for your EB-5, okay? Yeah. It's confusing, I'm trying to simplify it, but it's confusing and, and yeah. uh, you know, it's still coveted, but the, the popularity has gone down significantly. And instead of having two or three projects a month, I now have two or three projects a year, if that. And most of them are direct rather than through these big regional centers that everybody heard about investing in hotels and assisted living facilities and condos. Yeah. Um, so the whole industry has changed and now there's also a hold or a bar on entry for certain visas like H-1B, which was the big one for Indian nationals with IT and tech, or um, L-1s, which was a big one for Brazil, for example, that didn't have access to the E-2. So they would, a lot of them would do L-1s, which is an intercompany transfer of an, a senior executive or, um, or manager. Well, that's on, it's on hold. You can't, you can't even come in with that visa right now. You can't apply for it. You can't come in with it. It's, so everything is just in a complete kind of state of chaos yes. and uh, movement. And you don't know which way the pendulum is going to swing. And there's an election coming on top of everything else. So yeah. as if it's not <laughs> enough to already deal with. Um, suffice it to say that with the E-2, the Treaty Investor Visa, which is where you invest a substantial amount of money in a non-marginal business, yep. that does not lead directly to a green card. So people are, are, are res, res, um, resistant to using that because a lot of them are like, oh, all I want is the green card. Well, if you do the E-2 right, you may be able to apply for 
um, for adjustment of status after a certain period of time if you still have a, com a company in your home country. So there's yeah. always creative ways. You know, I have, I have a coaching business called Creative Real Estate Academy. I should really have a coaching business called Creative Visa Academy. Because <laughs> at the end of the day, if you're working with an immigration lawyer that understands the business side of the world and really understands how to create that business structure or that real estate investment structure to pave the path for the visa, that's, that's going to go a long way. I get referrals from other immigration attorneys that the Ecuadorian was one of those yesterday who just doesn't understand the business side and they need to find a business. So yeah, of course, it's yeah. all about having that holistic approach and really looking at the person or the family in your case, for example, let's say you guys wanted to come, we would figure out a strategy that works for your whole family. Like real estate investment would seem like a good option if that was what, <laughs> if you guys wanted to, to move to the US at the moment or Canada for that matter, because I also work with Canadian uh, investors and immigrants. Yeah, I have a question. So uh, what are oh, the boy. Like, two most common questions that you get from your clients? What's the fastest way to get in? Like it. <laughs> and what's the cheapest way? To get in? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, and 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 wait, have enough. When I'm sorry, I have a third. Can you yeah. cut that price by half? So. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. You know, unfortunately, there's a lot of bad apples. You guys see this, I'm sure. There's a lot of yeah. everybody claims to be a professional at at something. And, you know, I'm in Florida and let me tell you that the level of professionalism here is a lot lower than I'm used to coming from Toronto. Um, people don't show up, you know, they don't do their job, they don't finish things, they leave things a disaster, contractors are the worst. Um, the key is that you, uh, with, with my company, I'm a concierge, right? So you guys are going to come to me because you don't want to deal with all of the minutia of stuff like figuring out where do you want to live? What type of property? I'm going to help you figure out all of that. Let's say you came to me and you said, Lauren, like I had a, a prospective investor today, we want to buy an investment property. We want you to keep it um, tenanted, managed, handle collecting the rent, handle everything from soup to nuts, find the properties, help us create the strategy. That's me. And all you would need to do is collect your checks. But if you want to you know, be involved in every step of the way and manage the whole process. I'm probably not the right person for you to hire because you're going to, it's going to end up being too much back and forth and take away from the bottom line. Yeah, I see what you mean. I mean, I do quite similar things, but I also work with both uh, domicile investors and, and international investors as well to help them to invest in the United Kingdom. Right. A similar matter, both uh, for a just fixed return. Uh, but even more interest, of course, how to invest in, in real assets. Right. And, and many, especially from, from China, they like also to have control of the asset as well. So sometimes like partnership <laughs> doesn't really work. So it, it all, all uh, they're all different. Every deal is different. How, Every deal how, is different. How, how would uh, what, one of those examples of a, a real estate transaction look like working with a professional just like you? What could it look like as a, a scenario? Generally, it's pretty painless. So let's say you come to me and you say, Lauren, we have a budget of a million dollars. We want to buy um, a, a multifamily property. We have no idea where. We, have, we, we just know that we want to see this kind of return and we want you to help us figure it out. Now, there's two types of clients, right? One that wants a visa and one that doesn't. And the property choices and the location choices are going to be 
very different depending yep. on those two issues. Because if you want a visa and you want to be here and live here, it's going to be a different picture than if you don't. So if you're an absentee owner versus an on-site owner, or at least in the U.S. owner, it's going to be very different. So you're going to come to me and then we're going to create a full, I have a, a it's called a global success blueprint. And we do a blueprint for your investment strategy based on my Creative Real Estate Academy coaching program. We use that model, which is, which is generally all, um, I don't know what they're called over there, but in, the, in Canada, they're called assignment of sales, which is probably the same in England. And in the, in the US, it's called subject twos, where we purchase, we basically buy out mortgages yep. so they can avoid foreclosure, which is a very big deal, especially now. And it's going yeah, to be exactly. even bigger in the US because there's going to be foreclosures all over the place. So we would, we would take that budget, create that strategy, and then bring on my team members wherever we decide to be to find the properties. We would start vetting the properties, analyzing the properties, do deal, do, um, deal um, analysis with my partner, yep. and go through all of that process and then pull together. And again, it's going to be a very different picture if they want a visa, because then they're gonna need a business plan and a, a petition, and we need to make sure that the property satisfies the requirements for the visa, because if yep. they're gonna buy let's say two single family homes, that's not going to work. But if they're going to buy a nine unit multifamily home, that might work. Like a couple of your properties that you're talking about, when you, if you split up two or three of them, that could be a perfect model for a visa. Yep, yep. Right. So just for, for especially for the younger audience, just to try to uh, illustrate that in even simpler terms. So if you think about the uh, house, you've got the mortgage, and for whatever reason, the people living there don't pay the mortgage in the right way That's right. so therefore instead of the bank taking over the property you can actually actually buy the the debt so to speak That's and right. thereby taking control of the property correct mm -hmm. and yeah. i don't know about over there but in canada we, we, we don't we don't have that at all here you don't uh, have it okay as a, as a um, normal investment way there are ways oh, to oh, really? do it but it, it uh, i am very familiar with how we can do it in the us but unfortunately we can't do it in the uk isn't that interesting more, more so then you should come here and i'll help you yeah <laughs> yeah but i think i think it's a, it's a great way because in the end of the day you help the bank you actually help the the people in trouble you, you really do they avoid a foreclosure to, yeah exactly yeah so you might not destroy their credit forever that's and right get the problem and you might get a discount property in in the process yeah, do you know about forbearance versus forgiveness? Yeah. So maybe I can describe that briefly? Please. So in the US, when this whole thing started, the mortgage companies start were offering something called forbearance, not forgiveness. In Canada, again, this is the distinct difference between Canada and the US, and Canada is much more like Europe. In Canada, they were offering mortgage forgiveness offered by the government. It's much more of a socialist oriented government and country, yep. right? In the US, it's purely capitalist. So they said, okay, we're gonna give mortgage forbearance. Well, that's great. But what people didn't realize is after the forbearance period is over, which is starting now, your, all, of your, all of your payments that you didn't make are due. They don't get put on the back of the mortgage, they're due then. So if you don't pay them, you're in trouble. And that's when the process starts for foreclosure and and that's what when all of these opportunities come up because it balloons so instead of owing 2500 a month you're going to own oh 15000 all at once yeah. and let me tell yeah. you that people that were hit by covid don't have 15000 to pay 
and yeah, they're no. so, they're stuck. It's a yeah, it's a I, very I, bad situation. I, I had the same ones with various kind of mortgage uh, and, and uh, debt products where you try to like manage the cash flow now during the COVID early days. Yes, okay, if you don't need to pay down, fine. I don't like yes, put it on the back end. But many of them were very tricky by doing exactly what you said there to, to front load it. So you basically have to pay everything when uh, Correct. when uh, that short duration of time was over. So I didn't use any of those. Uh, right, well, you were smart, but the people, yeah. unfortunately, that are not as savvy as, as you were like, oh, great, yeah. we don't have to pay. They didn't exactly. realize, boom, it's going to balloon. No, they yeah. weren't really, they just were like, oh, I don't have to pay. That's all they cared about. They didn't think about the back end of that. Yeah, yeah. just again for the international audience, just to, to share another story about the, the UK where very much where media and the government painted a picture that tenants don't have to pay the rent if they can't pay the rent and they can't be evicted either. That's right. Same so here. that means a great situation where people think that they don't need to pay the rent, but of course it is still due uh, and Eventually. even if they move out, it is still there forever uh, until it's repaid, which is very strange. That was not relayed or explained in, in the media at all. Did you have anything similar in the US? A hundred thousand percent similar, a hundred thousand percent. And the interesting thing is that Britain, like Canada, is much more tenant friendly, whereas America is much more landlord friendly. So it's yeah. even magnified to the nth degree over here. So it's, it's amazing through COVID, you know, working with so many, I work with a lot of Brits and a lot of Canadians and a lot of obviously Americans, but a lot of Brits and Canadians and Brazilians and the stark differences became that much clearer. First of all, going through the way that everything has been handled with COVID. Yep. That's, you know, one perfect example or, ha or not handled in one country's situation, but it's really been magnified about how stark the differences are between the countries and their their ability or willingness to comply with rules and and do things the right way and be able to manage the whole process because you're right the government or the banks had a story that wasn't accurate and people yeah. believed it and now they're like so i have to pay my rent now yes exactly yes you do <laughs> yeah <laughs> No, yeah. it's better. Let the landlord. Don't worry about it. The landlord's rich. They they they're, they're yeah, not they're, hit by they're this. And, and they, yeah, they don't get hit by or utilities. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. All right, um, Eva. Does any questions spring to mind at all, surely? I have a question. Go for it. Yes, sir. So, uh, our podcast name is called Invest in You. What yes. does investing in yourself mean to you? Ah. That's a mm -hmm. good question. Oh boy, that's okay. Well, investing in yourself means believing in yourself enough to take risks. You guys are clearly evidence of that. Um, um, you know, I, I wish that I had invested at a much younger age because investing is what's going to create the, the path to your successful future, but you do have to take risks. Investing in yourself means caring for yourself so that you can care for others and making sure that you, uh, that you have, like yesterday I was listening, oh, I know, to um, um, Becoming Michelle Obama. And yeah. she was talking about her dad and how her, they, were, they were living in the upper floor of her uh, aunt and uncle's house for the longest time when, while she was growing up. And then their dad got, uh, they were gonna move into a, 
their own house and he was very nervous because he wanted to have money in the bank because he was risk averse, right? Because at that time, you just didn't know. I mean, it was the 60s and 70s and now you certainly don't know. But you still, even in COVID, even when money is tight, real estate is always going to bounce back. And, and if you make the right investments at the right time, and somebody just said to me this morning, well, isn't the market going to tank? Shouldn't we wait? No. Now is the time to invest in yourself, because if you don't invest in yourself now, you're going to miss the boat and not have the opportunity. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. So many people uh, are very much retracting, uh, stop the marketing, therefore, of course, the sales, and, and at the same time, stop thinking about themselves at all it's very yeah. very tempting just to feel sorry for yourself and uh, get stuck only in front of the tv oh my god it can a, be uh, it can be debilitating TV. and yeah. i think the other part of it you know frederick as i think about it one of the things that's come out of this for me is that relationships there there is no such thing as a as a long distance relationship anymore because I could be talking to the person across the street and talking to you across the yeah. pond the same yeah. way. And yeah. I think that this has given me the opportunity to pull much closer with some people and some colleagues and some joint venture partners and affiliate partners that I didn't yeah. otherwise have. And LinkedIn and you know social media, but particularly LinkedIn, which is how we met, have really uh, pulled people together and I think that people that did sit on the couch and were waiting for opportunities to, um, um, I don't know what they were waiting for, yeah. fall off the couch, but you know, now is the time. I, I, as I mentioned, I'm also a realtor and we have a, a, an international real estate company, um, which is growing into five new countries. Right now it's in Canada, the US, the UK, and Australia. Yeah. This week it's going into South Africa and then Mexico, Portugal, France, and India. And this company is growing by leaps and bounds. Why? Because it's technology driven, cloud based and yep. collaborative. Yep. And if you're collaborative and if you want it, like, you know, my goal would be sending clients to you to help them when they're investing in the UK. And by the way, I'm going to introduce you, Frederick, to a colleague of mine. She has a Facebook group called, um, I can't remember the exact name, but it's basically uh, investing in Florida from the UK. And yeah, she's yeah, a realtor yeah. co colleague of mine, and I'm the immigration attorney of record there. And it's great because it's all about Brits, specifically Brits that are investing in Florida. And they're always asking lots of questions, but you never know, there could be some opp opportunity for you there too. Absolutely. So please connect with me on Facebook. I, I really, I, again, I've got my own relationship to, to Florida, which we'll come back to in a moment. But before I jump there, with, with the world as your oyster, why did you end up in Florida? <laughs> Oh, don't ask me that question right I now. I love to hear the answer. And, 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 um, and uh, it's, there are no stupid answers or questions. Um, so I, it, it was through an ex-husband. All right. Yeah, that's all right. That's all right. I ended up in Florida for cave diving reasons. Cave diving? Cave diving. Underwater Where do you do caves. cave diving? In the Keys? Uh, not yet, but I've been doing many of the, the limestone uh, caves. Uh, yeah, around the high springs and so on. So more central. Oh, okay. Yeah, but it's, uh, I like Florida. I love to bring the boys there. I think they will be bitten if they come there because the weather there is also better throughout the year. Yes. Another reason. Um, if you don't. And get you some great season. real estate. Yeah, exactly, exactly. 
and there are opportunities as well. Uh, so one yeah. reason why people decide where to live in the US and because we had so many savvy entrepreneurs, they decide where to live. Because yes, the weather, but also the tax. So we've got a, a few, a handful of favorite states where most people seem to live of our um, podcast guests, with the big exception that some people are over in California for other reasons. Yeah, not tax reasons. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. I know, I know. So for people who are not from the U.S., which are the, the favorite tax states to consider in, in the U.S., the top, top ones? Yeah, so first of all, Florida is a great one. Nevada. Mm -hmm. Wyoming, Texas, um, it really depends on the type of business, not California. Exactly. Um, really, those are the four that are the best from a tax perspective. Yeah. Um, uh, but you know, it really depends on what your goals are overall. And um, you can also set up a company as your first step to A, investing in real estate and B, eventually investing in business or moving your business here or C, getting uh, a visa. So yeah. I, I, I specialize in figuring out where to set that company up and how to set it up, what type of entity. And everybody is going to be different. Like it's not one size fits all because Canadians are going to be different than Brits because of the Canada Revenue Agency versus the British tax collector. And it all depends on the, the treaty with the country. You know, one of the things that I think people tend to forget, and it's very, very important, is when you're investing in a new country, no matter what country it is, um, you can't just get guidance from that country's professionals. So in other words, if you're coming into America, yeah. you can't just get American tax guidance and American legal guidance and American accounting guidance and so on. You have to have guidance from your home country as well, or from somebody who understands both, which is where, you know, me between Canada and the US being a lawyer in both, it's really important. And I, and so many people tend to overlook that. So this, uh, for example, this client from Chile was asking me, well, what's going to happen if I own a property in the U S how, how is it going to impact my taxes? Well, I can't answer that. We have to have a Chilean tax yeah. expert answer that. Right. And too many people don't consider that, that it's only about the, the target country. And you've got to remember that you need that advice from your home country just as much as the target country. Yeah, really good point. And uh, uh, sidetrack, Sweden is is very strong in trying to track, just like you got with with, with your FATA agreement yeah. with tracking FATA. you citizens all, all over the world. Favorite thing ever. I FATA. love it. Uh, I filled it probably ten per year because I got so many di different companies the last few years. So uh, sorry, that's I don't I will explain that after the podcast, boys. So Sweden is also really good at keeping track of people where they are, where they invest, and so on and so forth. And, and there are so many tax treaties that people don't know about either. No. Nope. So yeah, that's, that's solid good advice. <laughs> take take advice from people who know and understand. And uh, don't cut corners and don't find your answers on the internet. Just don't do it. <laughs> you will end up paying through the nose, literally. No. Yep. Good one. Uh, so uh, we've shared lots of ideas and thoughts and so on. Uh, how can people find you online? Well, on LinkedIn, I am eCouncil Inc. E C O U N C I L I N C. Yep. The same on Facebook. You can also find me at Lauren Cohen, but there's a lot of Lauren Cohens. So it's eCouncil Inc. 
My website is ecouncilinc.com and the best, best URL is ecouncilinc.com backslash go global. Yep. Um, you can email me at founder at ecouncilglobal, E-C-O-U-N-C-I-L global.com. And you can always also reach me by phone at 866-724-0085, 866-724-0085. And that is a great example of someone who's open to business. That's, what does that mean? Actually, because Lauren just shared her contact is as a very professional manner, which means you can actually reach out to her with questions. And many people are too cagey with those details, which means really? you, will you will never get any contacts or inbound traffic. Right. So you're, you're <laughs> it stuck. Make sense. You're on your own. But that, that's yeah. also one reason why we've got so many of our guests from the US because people are, uh, yeah, more open, more open uh, very often more positive, mm -hmm. more direct. And we like those traits because that creates uh, really good content for our lovely audience. So yeah. That's good. Well, I think that even more so from Canada, because they always call me the, the stern Canadian. I'm always very, you know, very <laughs> off the cuff. And, and um, one other thing I was going to say is that any, anybody that would like a consult with me, I offer a 15 minute free exploratory call, which I can share with you um, when you actually, it's really easy. It's bit.ly backslash LAC explore bit.ly backslash LAC explore and just let us know that you found me through the Invest in You podcast so that I can be sure to address your needs. And um, um, it's really been a pleasure. I, I hope we can do this again sometime soon. And I hope when you're ready to invest in the US, you'll come to me and we can uh, figure out a strategy so that you guys can pave your way to college or whatever it is that you wanna do here. Yeah, exactly. I yeah, know there are so many opportunities, surely you, you you did a little trip to the US. Tell uh, mm -hmm. Laura, what, what did you do? I, uh, I put him in my bag. Yeah, exactly. We went to, <laughs> we went to New York and uh, I mainly did parkour there. Yeah. Uh, so no, I, I did attend a business training uh, mm -hmm. over in uh, Cambridge over at uh, yeah. Harvard mm -hmm. and uh, Charlie tagged along. I tried to get him into the classroom, but the professors, uh, on the negotiation course, even if I negotiated well, said no. <laughs> <laughs> so sneaky Charlie, he was in the corridor interviewing the attendants in, uh, for the podcast in the breaks and stuff. Uh, <laughs> yeah, how to get in at Harvard when you are 13 and stuff. Yeah. They probably had some insurance restrictions yeah, yeah, or something yeah, yeah. like that. Yeah. Yeah. But New York is an amazing city. And I got to tell you, a colleague of mine was there the other day and I was like, how is it? Yeah, because exactly. everybody's moving down here from the city now because they want to get out of the city. And he said, it's still fun, but it's yeah. very different. Yeah. Yeah. So another podcast, which I've been listening to a lot, uh, Joe Rogan, and they're talking sometimes now about people uh, leaving uh, uh, LA area for various reasons. So we don't want yep. to podcast, deal. but yeah, people move for very different reasons. And very often it's linked to emotions. Uh, yeah, and that's also the reason why many people buy real estate, which might not always be the best way, but it's one way. Right. Um, uh, By the way, I'm about to launch my podcast yeah. in a couple mm -hmm. of weeks, so I will definitely invite you to join me. It's called Investing okay. Across Borders. Imagine that. 
Love it. Love it. It's perfect. It's to remember. Perfect. Uh, so, uh, absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. Thank you. Thank you. Until Thank you. Time. Nice to meet you guys, all three of you. Have a great rest of your... Oh, you're at like almost like 9, yeah, yeah, 16 or 8, 16. Yeah. All right. Well, enjoy your evening and thanks again. Stay safe, okay? Okay.